or to Romans, the first chapter. Romans, the first chapter. In the 14th verse of the first chapter, Paul is addressing the saints at Rome, and he says, I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise, so much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And since this gospel is therein is the righteousness of God, then it is that which we are to preach and which is the power to save mankind. At the close of Jesus' time here on earth, the last meeting that he had, according to Matthew, and according to Luke, and according to Mark, was a very special meeting just before he ascended. And it was the disciples that with whom he had worked for three and a half years. And he had done many miracles. He'd done many things to teach them and to show them that he was God in the flesh. He was crucified for them, which fulfilled everything that he had said would happen. And now he has his body that they can see back again. He even eats before them, and they know that it is he. They even behold the scars, his hands and his side, knowing that he was the one that this happened to. And then he said, it's happened. I have all power. I have all authority. It's translated power. It's uh, in different versions. But I have all power in heaven and on earth. And he says, I want you to go to every creature. I want you to go, according to Matthew, I want you to go to all nations. According to Luke, he said, all nations, all people. And he said, I'm glad to do it, according to Luke. Thus it behoove the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Now, he didn't name the gospel in Luke as he did in Mark and in Matthew, but he, he did when he said, Thus it behoove Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day that repentance and remission of sin 
should be preached in his name. That's the gospel. So he's, he's telling them that they must preach the gospel. They must preach the gospel. That's his last request. Now, we have gone through this country, we have gone through a lot of tests of trying to preach the, uh, the first century message to like it was then. We've gone through a, a lot of difficulties endeavoring to preach it just like it was. And we've been calling people back to preach it just like it is. And, and we have uh, uh, done a magnificent job of uh, distinguishing from the many false teachings that would take people in because we've said we need to do it like the Bible says and like the New Testament says. And so we've been calling people back to do what they did in the first century. And that's the plea of the body of Christ. That's the plea of the church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we need to understand that as we make the plea for people to preach the gospel and to believe in the gospel and to believe in Christ, that the power lies in our assuming our responsibility to tell people about it. And I think this is where we break down. This is the reason why we don't have any seats filled at night and when we have empty pews in the morning and, and when we think that people are interested in everything else except the, the plan of God. And it's because we have let Christ down as far as our job of telling people about the power of the gospel. It isn't just one person's job. It's everybody's job. That's what he said in Matthew. He said... You go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And, Lord, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the earth. Now, if, if he asked them to teach the people that they taught to teach people what he just taught them, the gospel, then we're not restoring New Testament Christianity. We're just paying somebody to do it, or we're sort of encouraging somebody to do it, and, and we're not uh, keying in on what each one is supposed to do. Each one is supposed to get excited about the fact that there's power in the, the gospel, in the good news. And this is what it says. Now, we're just going to ask you to key in on what is it, what is the power? Look at that Romans, the first chapter. I'm not ashamed of the power of God. Unto salvation. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Well, what is the gospel? What is the power of God? If it's the power, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And he said, if you go preach this, I'll be with you always. And if he's with you always, he, he has all power. So he's, he's going to have the power. We say, well, why is it that people don't listen? Maybe it's because we have lost the excitement of preaching the gospel and sharing it with people. Now, I'm just going to let the scriptures answer, and we're going to talk about that this is the gospel that Peter and Paul and the apostles preached. This gospel that he's talking about here is the gospel that Jesus said to preach to every creature. This is the gospel that Peter preached. It's the gospel that Paul preached. It's the gospel that all of the other apostles preached. They all preached it. 
And, and people listen. Now, I know that people gave up, and I know that there has been a falling away, and I know that the devil has been on the throne of many people's hearts and lives. And so he is today. But it isn't because that we don't have the power. I want to, at the outset, I want you to turn to 1 Peter. And then it's the back of the New Testament. And it's 1 Peter, the fourth chapter. And this is the preacher that preached the first gospel sermon by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he's the one that was close to Mark, who, who gave the Great Commission in Mark 16, 15, 16. He and Mark, we, we think, uh, had a lot of things in common. But here is before he dies, he writes back, and in the fourth chapter of that first uh, epistle, I want you to look at uh, uh, the, the 16th verse of that fourth chapter. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Well, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and the salvation. And he's teaching here, you know, not to be ashamed. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Now that's talking about us. That's talking about Christians. And he was talking to Christians then. And he said, if it first begin with us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? Now, what Peter taught in his, his gospel and his teaching was that people who didn't obey the gospel didn't face any hope of going to heaven. They were lost. Maybe we're not making it clear to people of the teaching of the New Testament that is written so clearly that people who haven't obeyed the gospel are not saved. But Peter's saying that the judgment begins with the people of the house of God, and if it comes with us, what's going to happen to people who don't obey the gospel? Well, what is it to obey the gospel? Look at the next verse. He said, If the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? See, well, I want you to turn back in the New Testament, just, just flip back through James and Hebrew, and as you get a little closer here, you're going to come to, you're going to come to uh, Thessalonians after Timothy, first and second Timothy, and you're going to come to second Thessalonians. And when you come to that Thessalonians, I want that you turn to that second Thessalonians, the first chapter, and, and the sixth verse. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And it's a righteous thing for God to punish people who trouble people who are preaching the gospel and are Christians. And that seventh verse says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. He's going to be revealed. 
And this is the way he's going to be revealed, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's the word of God. That is the word of God. And that's what happens to a person who doesn't obey the gospel. Now, maybe we haven't made it clear to people who haven't obeyed the gospel that they're lost. Maybe we need to make it clear that they're lost according to the word of God. They're lost. Now, in 2 Thessalonians, I want you to turn just right over to 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the second chapter, in the second verse, I want you to get this message that he told Timothy. He said, Timothy, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now that's unmerited favor. God gives us power. He gives us strength. Jesus gives us He has all power. He has all authority. He said, go tell people about my death, burial, and resurrection. I want them to obey the gospel, the good news. And look at this second verse here in the second chapter. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know where we fall down in the church today? We're not spending enough time teaching people who are honest and faithful. Because the key is here. The faithful people will teach others and will duplicate ourselves. And that is the plan that Paul preached. Now, what is it? It's, it's the gospel. The gospel is the power of God to save people. What did he do? He, pre he told the Romans. He said, I preach the gospel. I'm dead to, to the wise, to the unwise, to the Jews and to the Greeks. So much as in me is to preach the gospel. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God. And now he said, young Timothy, what I've told you, you tell faithful people so they can do the same thing. And that's the secret of helping people to become just Christians. Now, the question is, well, that passage by, by Peter and that passage by Paul, they said you have to obey the God. I don't know what he means by that. What, what does he mean by that? What does he mean that he, you have to obey the gospel? Doesn't everybody obey the gospel? He's obeying the gospel just when you have faith in, in Jesus and you just believe that he's the Savior of the world? Well, he didn't stop at that. I want you to turn with me to the first Corinthians. When he writes the, the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, he defines what the, the gospel is. He defines it. And it's in the 15th chapter, beginning with the first verse. He said, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, the power of God and salvation, that which you're supposed to preach to the Jews and the Gentiles, that which you're supposed to obey, that which your people don't obey, they don't have salvation. And he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them. So I, I, I better be interested in what the gospel is if I'm going to obey it and how to obey it. Now, what is it, Paul? He said, well, the gospel is what I preached to you. Well, what did you preach? Well, it's what you received. 
It's wherein you stand. It's that which you're saved. Well, I know. That's what he said. It's the power of God to salvation. Well, what is it? Well, you've got to keep in memory the things which I have preached unto you, except you believe in vain. So there is a continuous, a something, a stability that keeps on, keeping on, and keeps on believing that Jesus is the died and was buried and was raised, and he keeps on in touch with us when we keep in touch with him. Look at number three. Here's where he defined it. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I received. How that Christ died for our sins, monosyllable word, died for our sins. Wouldn't have been any gospel if he hadn't have died for our sins. But therein is the, is the gospel. The good news is for our sins. That's the reason if a person doesn't know when, he doesn't have forgiveness of his sins. He died for our sins, according to the scripture. That's what the scripture has taught. All the things in the Old Testament taught that Jesus, from the very foundation, before the foundation of the world, was going to be the lamb that was going to die for his whole creation. And that he was buried. Not only died, but he was buried. And that he was arose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, that's exactly what he told Luke. According to Luke, he said, Thus it behoved Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. So that's the gospel. And that he was seen of Cephas and of the twelve, and that he was seen above five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains until this present by, but some are fallen to sleep. And after that he was seen of James, and then of all the apostles, and at last of all he was seen of me, also as a one born out of the due time. Now he just showing that this really did happen. Jesus was, he, he died, he was, he was buried, and he rose again. And, and he said, I'm the least of all the apostles, that I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, for I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. Now, I want you to turn back to Romans. Romans, the, the sixth chapter. Uh, and, and really, I want you to turn to the fifth chapter. Because uh, this is an argument here that he starts in the fifth chapter. And this, this 5, 6, and 7, and 8, the 6th chapter is not about baptism. It's about baptism, and it's about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and it's how to obey the gospel. But it's about sin. It's about sin. And that's the reason we need the gospel, because the gospel tells people how to be forgiven of sin. And if people just see, when we preach on baptism, if they just see baptism and the act of baptism and all the conglomerated uh, arguments that's in the denominational world about it, well, they'll be, they, Satan will win the argument. But this is about the good news, about delivering man from sin. Now look at the fifth chapter. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You're justified by faith. But let me follow and say it's not by faith only, separate apart from repentance or baptism or church membership or, or whatever. Some people would have you to believe that. Look at number two. By whom also we have access by faith. In Christ Jesus, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand. Now, what was it that we stood in according to the gospel over 1 Corinthians 15? We stood in the gospel. We stood in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That is the good news, that he died, was buried, and rose for us. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, and not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation works with patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. But when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Now he's talking about the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. For scarcely for a righteous man would will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God, thought we were yet sinners. He had his love toward us, committed his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the gospel. That's what Paul said it was. In 1 Corinthians 15, he said, How that Christ died, was buried, and was raised again. Now more than that, look at that ninth verse. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and he's alive. And when we respond, when we respond to the proclamation of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ, we get Christ. We don't get a tradition. We don't get a few things that we do that we see in a church building or something. We wouldn't even have to have a church building. We respond to Christ. We respond to his person. We receive his spirit. And uh, for if when we were yet enemies, we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's the gospel. That's what reconciled us. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Now, why it's good news is, is that we die to our sins when we repent and when we believe Jesus Christ died. We die to our sins. We give ourselves to him, and we're buried in him, and we're raised in him, and that's the good news. Look at the 11th verse. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have we now have received the atonement is being at one with him salvation and being forgiven of our sins and being forgiven of any sins that we'd commit after that for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned and that's the reason why a person who doesn't obey the gospel, it can't be saved. That's the reason he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. For unto the law sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. 
But as we go on down, we can understand that it was by, look at the 17th verse, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, that's Adam, much more they shall receive abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. And how do you do that? You do that by obeying the gospel. You do that by obeying the gospel. Look at the 18th verse. It says, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. When? When they obey the gospel. Now, how do you obey the gospel? You know, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for he is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. The Jew first also is the Greek. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God. Now, look at that. Look at that uh, uh, 18th verse. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men under justification of life. When? When they get into him. Whereas by one man disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. When he died, when he was buried, when he was raised, and he was an atonement forever a creature, and when we uh, go through the likeness of that, well, we, we're forgiven. Look at that 20th verse. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might be abound. But where sin abound, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ. Now that's great. Now the sixth chapter is on baptism. But it's not on baptism. It's on sin and being freed from sin. It's following this gospel preaching right here that it's good news that Christ died and was buried and was raised and by his blood we're saved. But now just how do you obey the gospel? He just lays it out. Look, look at the sixth uh, chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He say, well, God will take care of it. I'll be saved by grace. I, yeah, I, yeah, I believe he's one. No, that, that's not the way you get it done. He said, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? After you have come to Christ, even after you have obeyed the gospel, you can't just go on and practice sin. Now look at the second verse, and he tells you how, how that you obey the gospel. That's the answer to that one. For old, old Peter said, uh, what shall happen to them that know not God and obey not the gospel? The judgment is against the house of God. And then in, in 2 Thessalonians, when he said... Uh, that uh, he's coming in flaming fire, taking things from them that know not God and obey not the gospel. Well, how do you obey it, Peter? I know, uh, Paul, you said, you, you teach the things that I teach to you, that I've taught you unto faithful men, that they'll be able to teach others also. Why? So they can obey the gospel and become Christians. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into death? Now, why do you want to be baptized in Jesus Christ? Because that's where he shed his blood. And his blood was for the forgiveness of sin. It says right over here in the ninth verse of the previous chapter, much more than now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It is by the blood of Christ, and it is by the likeness and obeying the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ that we become free from sin. This chapter says it. Look at the next verse. Therefore we were buried with him by baptism into death, by sprinkling no. By pouring? No. 
They were buried, not sprinkled, not poured, but buried with him by baptism. So you don't have to wonder whether it's an immersion or not. It's a burial. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Now you just have to believe that. You have to believe that when the preaching of the gospel is to you and salvation is involved in that, that proclamation brings life and brings hope and brings eternal life to you if you believe it and believe Christ was God in the flesh. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. You just have to believe it. That's the reason faith is required. He said, well, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God and salvation to everyone that believes it. But if they don't believe it, yes, it doesn't count. It's a person who believes it. Knowing that this old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. He just died. The man of sin dies. In you. The desire to sin. Now, it's not going to leave you. The seventh chapter, he's going to have a whole chapter on that we have a sinful nature, and, and old Satan will try to get us. But the eighth chapter says, you receive the Holy Spirit when you're baptized, according to Acts 2.38 and Acts 5.32. And that Spirit modifies and puts to death the deeds and the, uh, the sinful nature of man as we travel with him, and that's the good news too. See, the good news, it continues with us. And this old way is in the present tense. Blessed, he said, he's coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and obey not the gospel. The gospel begins, if you're obedient to it, when you put on Christ, when you put in the blood. But it continues. It continues. And that's the beauty of reading the original Greek. You can see that there. You don't have to read the original Greek. You can just understand and understand English as I tell it to you. And it's very true. It's a continuous thing. And that's the reason so many passages are written that we're to be faithful and continuous in believing in Christ. For he that is dead is freed from sin. We're free. He's forgiven us of all of our sins. You've got to believe it, though. Whosoever believeth it's faith to faith. It's the faith of the person who gave it to you. You have faith, and you have faith as you continue to go. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. We believe we're living with him, that he's in us, that we put him on. And we want to share him with other people, and we get excited about it. We say, have you obeyed the gospel? Are you a Christian? That's the way we don't say, have you been born again a lot of time because the word born again to some people are just uh, faith only separate and apart from uh, accepting this and that you're just you're a Christian of kind well this one type of Christian is one who puts on Christ see knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more death hath no more dominion over you you don't have to worry when you obey the gospel when you're just a Christian for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he lives unto God. And when you're in him, you're living unto God. Whether we live or whether we die, we're God's. Romans 14, 7. To that end, Christ lived and, and died, that we might have this hope. 
Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves dead to, uh, to be saved, uh, self to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christians don't participate and do things that people of the world do because they're in Christ. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. So what do you do? You obey the good news. What's the good news? Is that I'm in Christ. That's the good news. Well, if I sin, I confess my sin, and he is faithful and just to forgive me of sin, and the blood of his son cleanses me from all sin. So I don't stay stuck in sin. If I think evil, and if I hate somebody, if I have envy, I say, Lord, that's not right. That's wrong, and I'm out of sight. And if I'm not honest, and I'm not doing what I ought to do on the job, I quit doing that, because I'm a Christian. I don't act that way. I act like Christ, and I claim Christ for myself. And that's the good news. Look at number 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And number 13 is a continuation of that. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You don't practice sin. A Christian may sin. A Christian may have evil thoughts. But he says, Lord, forgive me. I had some evil thoughts. I, I know I shouldn't do that. You just forgive him. Just like I said, like a windshield walker. You don't have to wait until you come back to church. Well, it's good to come here. We take communion, and we commune with his blood and all that. But you use that all the time. It's like a windshield wiper. It's your faith. Faith unto faith. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. How can you when you're, you're dead in sin? You're dead from sin. You're separated from sin. You're, the good news is that you're in Christ. You're going to live forever. Now you have your name written in, in a book of life. And if death were to overtake you and you've obeyed the gospel, well, you, you just know it's just a, it's just a blessed difference from that over there. And you have, maybe you'll be put over planets or a number of planets or, or two or three nifty ways. Who knows what God has for you? And it has entered in our mind. We can't, we're too small about that. But that's what he's offering. He came here that we might live forever. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourself servants to obey his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But obedience unto righteousness comes when you obey the gospel. When you take on the power of God that we're not ashamed of. For therein is revealed the righteousness of God from faith unto faith. And that's it, it, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, and it's the death, burial, and resurrection of a Christian. When he dies like Christ died, he raised when Christ was raised. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, but all things become new. Second Corinthians 5, 17. And look at number 17. We're going to close right here. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of teaching that form of doctrine, that death, burial, and resurrection that, that uh, Jesus preached about himself, that he, after he was raised, he said, he said, this is what I told you all the time that's going to happen. And when he said, I'll build my church, he said, I've got to be crucified. And he told them nothing. 
Now we go through that. He's dead, we're buried, we're raised, we're raised with him. This form of teaching has been delivered to us. And being then made free from sin, he became the servants of righteousness. And that's what we are, and that's the way you obey the gospel. It isn't that difficult. We just need to share it with people. And we need to be able to encourage them. And that's the reason we usually say, have you obeyed the gospel? You know, the Ethiopian unit just heard one sermon. The Ethiopian unit just heard one sermon. Now, believe me, I believe he, he knew a lot about it, and he was reading in Isaiah. And he was reading in Isaiah where the lamb was, was slain and it was done before his shirt. And he said, uh, could you tell me who, that, who, who that's talking about? Is that, is that Isaiah talking about himself or are you talking about someone? And he said, he preached right there and he preached to him Jesus. So this is speaking of Jesus. By his stripes we're healed. And he preached to him Jesus. And you know what they did? They didn't go very far. He said, well, well here's water here. Why, why should and he didn't say anything about preaching baptism. He did because uh, he has to be baptized. He preached about the sin of man and the lost condition and that Christ died for us. And that every creature that goes through that death, burial, and resurrection and indicates by the symbolic uh, death, burial, and resurrection of baptism, the washing, the cleansing, uh, naturally puts on Christ. And Jesus demonstrated in his own in his own life to fulfill all righteousness. He didn't have any sin. But tonight, if you haven't believed in Christ, if you haven't confessed him, if you haven't put him on, uh, now's a good time to do it. Now, I can't help but think about some people that I've asked them that, and they've said, well, you know, it all makes sense and sounds pretty good, but you know, a lot of times I have some things back in my mind that I just can't believe in this Old Testament. This is much, there's much really gruesome things there. And all these people that that wrote this, you believe, you believe that the Bible is, is, did you believe it and trust it? I said, yeah. And you know the reason why I can't? Because Jesus did. And I believe he's the Son of God. And he came on the scene from heaven and he said, God spake to Moses. God spake to Abraham. God spake did this. And in the Psalms, Moses said this by the Spirit. And at the end of his career here on earth, he said, I have been with you all time for three and a half years showing you in the scriptures how that all these things that was written about me is fulfilled. Now some of these professors and these, uh, the, these modernistic people who try to undermine the Bible and try to say that they're smarter than anybody else, how could you believe manuscripts this way? The reason is because 42 different people are 40 different people. The old and the New Testament. Jesus put his stamp of approval on all of it. And he's smarter than all of us. And he didn't question not any of it. And then he told us to go preach it. 
and to teach it. And I believe it. And I believe it will give you the kind of life you need. For you not come as we stand together and sing.